1: This podcast is brought to you by Udo's Choice, made with your health in mind. Health is your birthright and natural state. For more information on our award-winning supplements, go to udoschoice.com.
2: So, thank you once again. And I'm going to echo, I think, out of the 100 or so SMSs that came through, Everyone, bar one, and I haven't been able to identify which person, said thank you, expressing their gratitude. So thank you so much. It's amazing to me to, to feel the energy coming off this audience, to feel the energy backstage. And you had all the crew absolutely glued. I think cameramen were clapping. We could see the camera kind of shaking from time to time. And, and rightly so. But I'm going to be a little self indulgent. And, and we obviously had the, the wonderful opportunity of meeting and connecting, albeit very briefly, on Express or so the show that I'm, I'm blessed to be able to host. And it felt very undercooked because I got to ask you maybe one question and not delve a little deeper. Um, and obviously, now knowing as a, as a brand new parent that the pillars of parenting are a father, a mother, and Google, okay? Um, There is a huge amount of practical advice out there. In fact, strangers who you've never met before will come up and offer you their advice. But something that isn't readily available is advice on how to change oneself to be a better parent. And when it comes to unlocking hope, yes, I know how to focus now on unlocking hope within myself. How do you foster that in someone else? How do I, as a father, foster hope in my child?
3: Well, it's luckily luckily <laughs> children don't have fear. Parents do. Mm-hmm. Children don't compete and don't have the Joneses syndrome. The Joneses syndrome is, you know, if the Joneses buy a Volvo, you have to buy a Volvo too. They don't have that syndrome. And what children are, are incredible learners. So they'll soak up whatever is around. And when you look at trying to bring hope, you don't really have to teach them anything. You have to feel the hope in yourself and they'll pick up on it because they're smart. And this is their environment. You put them in an environment where there's anger, there's fear, there's all the stuff, they'll pick that up. Because after all, they are your kid. And so whatever you're teaching them, when you think you're not even teaching them, they're learning. Because that's what they want to do. You know, I was just, a few days ago I was at a school and I had been given such a briefing about the school. And when I was there, on one hand, the briefing is playing in my head, on the other hand, I'm looking at the reality of the children who were there. And I could see that they had such a purity in them that really, you, if you let them be them, and not try to shape them into something, convert them into something. And we do, because we want our child to be a particular way. I mean, there's that saying, chip off the old block. <laughs> and we, we're the old block, and we want that thing to look like us, act like us, wear clothes like us, and... Everyone except my girlfriend. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, 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 and off it goes. I mean, I have four kids, and I have two grandkids, you know. and. Uh, they, they're beautiful when you let them be. But when you try to shape them, change them, do this, do that, everything starts to backfire. But we don't learn from that. Parents are very, very scared of their children. Do you know that? Parents are sick, <laughs> yeah. <just> like. <laughs> <laughs> not just the nappies. And that's wrong. And that's wrong. There should be love, not fear. You know, where does this fear come to? It's like fear of failure. Oh yeah, I don't want you to fail, because if you fail, I fail. And again, you know, the hope really is the same thing. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't, you know, dad, that was wrong. No, it wasn't wrong. And you will give 10 million explanations. And what you're really teaching that kid is go ahead and lie. You know, the first place, (laughs) The first place children learn how to lie is at home. School, school. school. No, no, it's at home, it's at home. Because they break something and the question is, did you do it? When you know it? Of course, there's no ghosts, there's no such thing as ghosts running around. Did you do it? And the kid learns that if it says yes, you shouldn't have done that, no. No, I didn't do it. Oh, okay, I'll, let me find who did it. The, kid, the kid's not dumb, he learns how to stay away from trouble. And, oh, the doorbell rings. I'm not here. <laughs> I don't have the time. And then, you know. <laughs> watching television the kid's soaking up all this stuff, and so really, if you want that kid to feel hope and 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 you really don't have to teach, you just have to be you know there are certain things in life a sun doesn't have to come and knock on somebody's door i 'm awake i 'm up by the way no it, it just has to shine there's a beautiful little story that there was a competition between the sun and wind once they saw a traveler traveling on the road, and the competition was, who's more powerful? So the sun said to the wind, you know, there's a traveler, and whoever can make the traveler take off their jacket is more powerful. So the wind said, I've got this one nailed. So the wind started blowing, and more the wind blew, the more he held on to his jacket, and more and more and more, and like, oh, I gotta hold on to my jacket. But then it was the turn of the sun, and the sun just shone. And when it did, he took off his jacket. So that's all you need to be. You need to be not the S-O-N to your S-O-N, but you need to be the S-U-N, the sun, to your child. Really to everybody. You know, those people who are strong from inside, who come who are not in fear, their company is appreciated by everyone. They're, they attract, they're attractive. But those people who come with fear, and oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. They're like, oh no, not him again. And so, <laughs> that's, that's, that, these are natural laws, and I know it's true for everybody. Yeah, it's not, and, and it's, it's across cultures too. You know, we like people who, who bring joy to us. This is what they give, not all the problems of the world. So,
2: Which is quite difficult at three in the morning, <laughs> holding a dirty nappy. No, I love it. Our, our nappy changes because I can't feed the child. Changing the nappy is my quiet time, you know? It's my special time. It's going to get quiet. I know he can't understand a word I'm saying. But <laughs> he's going to get a talking to tonight. <laughs> uh, now, you talk about being attractive and us generating this energy that is attractive to other people, but it has to start within oneself. And this next question, um, I think, as we were discussing which to take out of the, the multitude that came through, I think hit everyone backstage, and I think it's going to hit all of you. And I hope the person who wrote it really does... Light up now and take notes of the response, but the question read as such, how can you love yourself when you've started to believe that you're ugly and a failure?
3: Well, fortunately, it is not a fact. It's only your belief. Beliefs can change. Belief is like this. And I just to give this analogy. If I'm sitting with somebody, I can say, Make believe there is a cow here. No harm done. Just make believe there's a cow here. And this cow gives a lot of milk. Just believe that, okay? No harm, right? But if I'm having tea, real tea, and I want some milk, rest assured this make-believe cow cannot give to my real tea. Now if I'm having make-believe tea, <laughs> this make-believe cow can give a little bit of its milk for my make-believe tea. But if I'm having real tea, it doesn't work. There is another phase after believing. And that phase is called knowing. It's living in reality, not because a lot of people say to me when I talk about, what I talk about, oh, come on, be real. And the thing is, with all their fear, they're actually the ones living in fiction. They're the ones who are living in fiction. They go, oh yeah, but that guy will kill you. Well, only if you give them the opportunity But that's true of anything, you know. It's just like, there was a guy once, this is a bit of a joke, but it's a nice little story. Uh, There was a guy once, and he was from the city, and one day he decided to just go out into the rural part, the farm part of 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 the country, and he was there looking around, and he came across a horse, and he had never seen a horse before. So he went up to the farmer and said, what is this? He goes, oh, it's a horse. And this guy, of course, was into sports cars and this and that. And it's like, wow, I've heard of a horse horsepower. This is like one horsepower. Wow, i got to have this. This is unique. This is like none of my friends have anything like it. i got to have it. And the guy said, listen, if you want to buy it, fine. But I must tell you something. So, the guy says, No, no, I want to buy it, buy it. I said, Okay, so they exchanged the money. He says, This is your horse's are. But, well, he says, Listen, Let me explain this to you. We're very religious around here. Very, very religious. So, this horse has been trained that if you want this horse to get going, you say, Thank you, God. And if you want this horse to stop, you say, Amen. And that's all you need to know. And the guy goes, oh, that's easy. So he gets on the horse. Thank you, God. And the horse starts galloping. And the horse is galloping and this guy's like, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. One horsepower going at it. He now realizes that this horse galloping away is is heading for this sheer cliff. And he's like, "Uh uh-oh, how do you stop this thing? And he had forgotten. And he's like, God, make him stop. And God this and God that. Nothing, 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 nothing. And he's getting closer and closer and closer. And now he's just like inches away. Inches away. And he goes, amen. And the horse comes to a stop. But I mean, he's just like almost off the cliff. And he just is so thankful. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
3: so so you. What comes out of his mouth is, Thank you, God, and the room for office. Goes. So, you know, really, you, you can believe anything you want, but what is the reality? What is the reality? The reality is that darkness is never far from light. Last time you flipped on a switch and turned on the light in a dark room, how long did it take for the darkness to disappear? You turn on the light bulb and it's just like Mm -hmm. like, you know, a drain. Are like toilet flushing. No. Boom, boom. Darkness is never far away from light. Light is never far away from darkness. Joy is never far away from sadness, and sadness is never far away from joy. They ride together. When you go into a bathroom and you lock the door for privacy, you think it's private? No. Your anger, your fear, your doubt have come with you. Even though you book only one seat for yourself on a bus or an airplane, your anger, your fear, your doubt, they're always there
0: always always
3: but so is kindness so is understanding so is gratitude these things are also there because they are the other side of the coin you need to know this that if you have only experienced your ugliness then you haven't flipped the coin you need to flip it. Because the other side of that coin is incredible beauty. And what is the beauty? What is the beauty? Somebody who's symmetrically shaped? A star? What is the beauty? Because you know the reality of it is how many movie stars that are drop-dead gorgeous, spend hours sometimes looking at themselves in the mirror going, oh my God, am I? Am I? You are the beholder. If you feel in you See, I keep going back to this. And this is a great question, because this gives me more ammunition for my book. That's why you need to know yourself. Socrates said, know thyself. You need to know yourself. Why do you need to know yourself? Because that is when you will be able to experience the true beauty that you are. That's why you need to know yourself. There's a billion reasons, I think, 7.5 billion reasons on the face of this earth of why you should know yourself. Because if each one did, I think we would have a very different situation in this world. If the beauty that you conceive in your mind is beauty that is different than you truly. See with the eyes. See the wonderment. The children, gorgeous. They look at something incredible, and they're in awe. In awe, and of course, the stupid parent. And that's the moon. They could care less. They got. They fell in love with the moon before the stupid dad said or stupid mom said, that's the moon. They saw the moon that doesn't have a name. And they loved it. That's beauty. And you have that beauty. Whatever other people tell you, you are worse than them because you, you constantly sit there and tell yourself, I'm not beautiful, I'm not beautiful, I'm not. This beauty will be gone one day. The same thing that people come and kiss, they'll be like, Oh, no way. <laughs> so it's not here, this is not the beauty part. The beauty part is here in your heart, in yourself.
2: You know, I've, I think I've seen that awe in my baby Jack's face as he stares up at me, and I can see he's looking at my face, and he can see it's, it's pure joy, awe, and wonderment. And then I realize he's looking at the light-fitting. <laughs> and that <laughs> it could be a black-and-white pillow, and it's just this awe-inspiring to him. I think a big part of the that that journey to self as we've discussed in, the, uh, discussed in the past and that getting to that point of seeing the beauty within you a part of that has to be about forgiving yourself and one of the questions that was posed is if difficult if forgiveness is difficult for you to begin with forgiving someone else is hard enough turning it inward to the person that you know better than anyone else the person that you probably judge more than anyone else how do you forgive yourself?
3: Well that's that's Wonderful question, because that is so important, to be able to forgive yourself. And let's just not even bring you and somebody else into the picture. Let's just talk about forgiveness, what forgiveness is. And a lot of people think forgiveness is granting license to mediocrity granting license to somebody's mistake. That is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is to sever the relationship with that action that is dragging you down. So now, whatever, you know, somebody did something to you that was terrible, and that happened a long time ago, but that person still has a clutch on you. They still have a clutch on you. Because every day that you wake up, perhaps that in a solitary moment, you curse that person. You think of that person. That person is still connected to you. And forgiveness is saying, no more. You will not have control over me. I want my life. I want my life back, and I do not authorize you any more to haunt me. That's what forgiveness is. So it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not going around saying, "Oh yeah, I I I I know you you." I mean, this is the way I see it. This is the way I see it. I mean, one time a horrible thing happened to me. And then every time I would think about it, it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then I just said, you know, that little punk still has control over me. And I'm not even in his country anymore. And I'm not going to let him have control over me. And I said, that's it, gone. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is very powerful. It's really saying, no, I've got my life. Thank you very much. It's regaining, it's regaining. Because if you don't, then the clutches will still be there. And and what it does to you, what what this clutching does to you, these, these claws that are, buried inside of you, it it, it infuriates you, it it causes anger, it causes fear, it causes you to shut down, it causes you to stop moving forward, it stops appreciation, And, 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 and you live in fear, you live in fear, and that person is gone, but the clutches are still there. And it's saying, no more, thank you. And when you start to look forgiveness that way, it takes on a whole different meaning. Because because up till now it's, it's like, oh, oh I, I forgive you, you know, it's okay. You did this to me. It's like, but you know, there are there are things that can happen to you in this life that if if you are talking about acceptance of somebody's actions, it's not gonna happen. It's just not going to happen. Because you cannot accept some of those actions they're so heinous you cannot yeah, south africa What? Well, but it's in india it's in america it's a human problem it's a, and i know that in south africa it is also there in a very big way and every human being has to learn that you you wouldn't and i know the things that have happened here—unbelievable. I was here in the '70s when those things were happening. I remember reading the newspaper about how they found the body of this guy on the on the uh, on the street, and he had come off one of the government buildings, and he had no nails, and he had no eyelids. And I'm like, "Oh my God!" You know, and you cannot allow yourself to be a victim you would some of the things you will never be able to say oh yeah i'm fine with that but it's up to you whether you allow the talents of that person and that activity still to be gripping you because if you don't then use the sword of forgiveness and free yourself you move on so that's how I see forgiveness, not saying, oh, yeah, okay, you did this. this, Some of the actions are so heinous, and we see that. We see that happening so many places. Yeah. And just in the name of religion, <laughs> things that are happening not too far away from here in the Middle East, I mean, the things that they're doing, I mean, what... What would it be like for that parent to watch their son being beheaded on television? Excuse me? You know? and, and, and for what? For what? And how, if it was your child, if something happens to your child, it is not easy to say, oh yeah, okay, I understand. I, I, go ahead, you know. No. But if that harm, that that person brought is still continuing on don't let it go more than it needs to i'm done with you because this is another way to understand this is one day buddha was walking and all these people were saying very bad things about him so his disciple who was with him came back and he said buddha all those people were doing terrible things, saying terrible things to you. Aren't you affected by that?" And Buddha said, "'Okay, well, see this bowl, whose bowl is it? It was Buddha's bowl." And he said, "'Yeah, it's your bowl.'" So then he took the bowl and he scooted it towards his disciple a little bit. He says, "'Whose bowl is it now?' The disciple said, "'Still your bowl.'" He scooted it a little closer. Whose bowl is it now? Squidded it a little closer. Whose bowl is it now? Kept going like that, and finally he took the bowl and put it in his disciple's lap. He said, whose bowl is it now? He said, Buddha, it's still your bowl. He said, exactly, exactly. I don't have to accept this. The day I do, it becomes my bowl. But if I don't, it's still theirs. And that's, you know, and I understand. I mean, sometimes these stories are easier said than actually translated into your life. But at least if you begin to chisel away, I mean, maybe the rope is so thick that you won't be able to cut it in one day, but at least you start severing it. Start understanding the dynamics that you have the power to sever that rope. That this is what forgiveness means. But ultimately, one day, you will weaken that rope that it will it'll be severed. But you need to begin. You need to start understanding that. And anger, fear, if they are not tempered with the other reality of what is on the other side, you know, then they take the better of you, instead of the goodness in you, in you taking the better of you. And, then, and when the anger comes, what does it do? It shuts you down. It's absolutely, and then every time you become angry, you regret it. But then that the problem with anger is you don't know when it came. It just, it's there. It's like, ah! And you react and it's like, oh my God, I don't have to be angry it's too late because whatever you practice the most that's what you get good at you know and practice practice being yourself but then there's a problem with that that if you don't know yourself how do you practice being yourself <laughs> so now it's back to google. that point one back to google <laughs> yeah <laughs> know yourself
2: i'm so glad that you've honed in on you mentioned a couple of words there. The the word victim came up so many times and so many questions and how we move beyond feeling like a victim, which is very much a South African context. And as you've explained, I think an energy that's shared across the, the globe, but very much interlinked to that is anger, which almost seems a manifestation of that, a manifestation of not being able to forgive. Hone in on anger for me. That seems to be something that is so prevalent in South Africa at the moment, and now we can understand, rightfully so, when young children are being burnt, we must be angry. We must be absolutely beside ourselves. How do we handle it? How do we move through it? How do we move past it? Where do we start when it comes to anger? Because I can tell you almost 50% of the questions that came through tonight started with, I am
3: angry. Yeah. Well. The thing is, this is the problem with anger. If you don't want to be angry, if you don't want those ridiculous things to happen, you have to have a little bit of a foresight. The things that end up happening in this world. South Africa had an incredible dream. One day, apartheid will end. And I was here in the 70s when that dream was talked about. One day, apartheid will end and South Africa will be heaven. Well, officially, one apartheid ended and another one waltzed in. But, Human beings do this. You know, there's supposed to be a Satan. There's supposed to be a devil that is supposed to do bad things to human beings. That Satan, right now, is ashamed of himself. Because of human beings have completely outdone him. I mean, just like. And and I'm sure that he'd like to come to Earth just to learn. From the human beings, because they're just outpacing him, out imagining, outdoing whatever he had for millions and millions of years since the creation of this earth imagined to be a heinous thing. It's like, I mean, I know a lot of religion talks about the Satan, but that Satan is like. Heh. You know, the amount of the, the, the things that are happening that we are doing to each other are so heinous that even the the Satan would go, God, that's horrible. It's like, Amen. but But that's just simply wrong. It's simply, simply wrong. And anger, if you have a fuel spill and throwing a lit match at that fuel spill will help that fuel spill by all means. But it's not. It's going to ignite the fuel. And it's going to make things worse. I mean, there's the reality of it. I mean, yes, true. There's all these problems and things are happening that are absolutely heinous, absolutely heinous. And me being a pilot, I came across a story once, and and it really happened. And there was a plane that took off from Alaska. And it was, in the old days, it was a four-propeller airplane, and one of the propellers came off from one of the engines and hit the fuselage of the airplane, and ended up severing most of the flight controls, because it was like a blade that hacked through it. And the pilots realized that whatever they had, their flight controls were basically jammed, and they couldn't really control this airplane. Very, very experienced pilots, And they're trying as hard as they can, shaking literally. And this thing isn't responding much. They use the engines back and forth to kind of get it going in the direction they want it to go to. And they were in a terrible, terrible pickle. Because an airplane that has no flight controls is doomed. But they had passengers. and the co-pilot, and the captain would take turns with the co-pilots because his hands would start shaking after a little while. But they kept trying to just, just do as much as they could, but not much was happening. But they kept trying and trying and trying, and one of the places where the blade had come and hit and the cables had jammed, just by trying a little bit, they started to move a little bit, started to wear a groove in the metal a little bit. And this gave them a little bit more control over the airplane, just because they were persistent. They could, they could have gone like this. Because, you know, one of the famous jokes in aviation is, you know, uh, when you have that, those kind of problems, just bend down. You know, they tell you to bend down. <laughs> <laughs> bend down and kiss <laughs> your <laughs> sweet
0: <laughs>
3: goodbye. But they didn't. They kept at it. They kept at it and kept at it and against all odds. And I mean, they had to come in again and again and line up. They had no flaps. They had no brakes. They had nothing. But they brought it down. In one piece in one piece and when finally it ran off the side of the runway it was slow enough that nothing happened and it came to a stop in the grass because they were persistent in the face of utter failure they kept at it they kept at it they kept at it and they kept I would not little your problem by comparing that to an airplane. But I do see a bit of wisdom in not giving up. When a mother is giving birth to a child, there comes a time when she goes, I can't. But she doesn't give up and she keeps going. And that is strength. That is strength because you don't have other options. What other options do you have? Somebody has to keep trying and be it the citizens of this country that in the face of what is absolutely, absolutely impossibly cruel and horrible, but the good has to keep trying. That's the victory. There's two kinds of victory. In one victory, You win, but somebody has to lose. But when the victory is of yourself, then you win, and nobody has to lose. Nobody has to lose. And so... Yes, in the face of all this horrible stuff, there is hope. And if we humans can dip so low as to do things like that, then we human can also climb so high as to make the difference to not let it happen. So it's up to us. At the end of the day, it's going to always come down. We play a part in it. We play a part in it. And we wait, how many, I mean I shouldn't ask this question because I know what the answer is gonna be. But I, I sincerely, sincerely, because my platform is humanity, I sincerely ask you to ask yourself one question. How many of you are waiting for the others to change? And that is the biggest disease worldwide. Everybody is waiting for others to change. No, you have to change. Whether others change or not, you change. And then they will see. The change is good. There has been, and there is, a record of wars, and there has been a cry for peace every time. Governments are behind wars, and mankind Humanity is behind peace. Who will emerge victorious? But the biggest question is, who is the loser gonna be? We are much smaller boys now We don't have the power of these governments. They say one thing, they make themselves something else. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. They wanna start a war, they'll start a war and they'll give it any explanation. And everybody will be like "Ah, dumbfounded and there's nothing you can do. And there's always an excuse, always an excuse. Oh yeah, but you know, how can I do that? How can I stop that? How can I do this? How can I do that? Because we are always waiting for somebody else to change before we will. Time has come to take ownership. Find peace in your life. Know yourself. That's the time. You want these things to stop? They can stop. They're not, this is not God at work. You know, this is not, oh yeah, it was his karma. (laughs) Stupid explanations. This is the 50-year-old talking. And we have all the explanations for everything. Oh yeah, that happened because, oh, that happened because, that happened because, uh, why are people born poor? Oh, well, you know, that's their destiny, their, their karma, and that's why they're poor. And, and the, 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 the incredible question, why are some people born rich and some people born poor? You haven't watched childbirth. I have. Nobody's born poor. And nobody's born rich. Nobody. We're all born the same way. A bloody, goopy, gooey, (laughs) unrecognizable blue mess. Totally butt naked. With not an ounce of shame. (laughs) And then we take our first breath. And when that breath is taken, the baby begins to change the color from the blue to pink. The placenta is given the instructions through the umbilical cord to stop pumping the blood and slowly the boot blood starts to weigh. And the baby is now on its own. What it learns, what the baby learns, how the baby acts, what the baby does, now the baby's destiny slowly will be transferred to his hands, her hands. The sad baby becomes bigger and bigger and bigger to take on its destiny in its hands. How many of you disagree with that, that there's somebody else up there who controls the destiny? You are just a puppet. Because this is what we're taught. We didn't know this. We're taught this. Because it gives an explanation to all the unfortunate things. Oh, God works in mysterious ways. And we go, God works in mysterious ways. And I say, that's it? That's your explanation? He's mysterious? Why is God mysterious? Like George Carlin said, one thing God doesn't have, for sure, is money. Because he keeps asking for it. (laughs) wherever you go, India to anywhere. Oh, God needs money, God needs money, give it. No. That, through the nature, has facilitated your being. And you have the destiny in your hands. But do you want to be? Where? What kind of South Africa do you want? You're going to have to make it that. You're going to have to make it that. It's not going to be put in on your lap. Up to you. Up to you. Up to me. Up to me, up to you. Four years of age, I saw that people could hear something that I could make a change in their life at four years. So I started speaking to them about peace. I travel, it's not easy. Traveling is never easy, there's no pill for time zones. Lying in strange beds, losing sleep, and missing the family. I mean, I've got a grandson and he, he's so cute. I mean, when I was there, he was just at the verge of breaking the two bottom teeth. Now he has four. And he's just so cute. And he looks like his dad. And so I, I would love to be going gaga goo goo. I mean, he's just, he would, every time he'd see me and I'd say gaga goo goo to him, he'd start laughing, even if he was in the middle of crying. And his, mama, his mother said, one day he says, "Oh, you were just faking, weren't you?" Because as I come out of my closet and I go, "Oh, gaga, gaga," And he goes, "C, ga started laughing But there is something I can do in this world. I can talk to people, and I can cause them to start thinking. Because we're not thinking. We're just doing. We're acting like robots. We've got the stupidest explanations going on. And this can't be. We need to think. We need to take the ownership for our lives. And that's the only way. Because anger needs fear to survive. If you take away the fear, the anger will start waning. Drinks the blood, anger drinks the blood of fear, of uncertainty. Take away its blood supply and it'll start waning. And right now, from everything that I read in the newspaper, see on the TV, there is a great amount of uncertainty. Where is that heaven? that everybody imagined. Where is the future for the young ones? There's a great amount of uncertainty. And that uncertainty is giving rise to a great amount of fear. And that fear is giving rise to a great amount of anger. It's not, it's not by chance. It's all related. You have the sword of knowledge, of wisdom, to cut the connection of that fear so that the anger can wade away. There's only one way you can take away darkness. You cannot get an empty bucket to take away darkness. An empty bucket to fill it with darkness and throw it out the window won't work. Sorry. There's only one way to take away the darkness, and that is bring on the light. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's incredible. Because this is the continent. This is the continent which gave birth To mankind. And today, on the same continent, things are happening to that mankind that are unimaginable. Unimaginable. Do I see hope? I see hope. And I saw hope when I went to that school. And they were little kids, (laughs) so cute, little kids. And I saw hope in them. And you need to find some too. And you need to find the end of uncertainty, end of that fear, so you can find the end. Well, I think we've run out of time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately,
2: and you'd be amazed at how many of the questions were answered. It's just a a sharing of an incredible space, and I have to say completely self-indulgently how much of my own life's questions have been answered over the last hour and a half. Thank you so much. I'm sure your grandson is cute. My boy is probably just a little bit cuter just a little bit but he is now going to step into a world that i now know from deep within myself will be filled with more hope because i am filled with hope you've helped me to unlock hope tonight you have i can feel of this audience help them to unlock hope tonight and so i hope you've received some of that love from us as well what an absolute pleasure and a privilege thank you thank, thank you, so so much. Much. Thank you. gentlemen <laughs> thank you so much.
1: For listening to today's podcast, courtesy of the Timeless Today app. If you want to learn more about what Prem Rao talks about, he offers a practical online course called Peak to help you understand and experience personal peace. Go to primrao.com, that's R A W A T, and click on Peak. Prem's book, Hear Yourself How to Find Peace in a Noisy World, published by HarperCollins, is now available. For further information, go to hearyourselfbook.com. If you have any questions for Prem Route about his new book or Life's Essentials Podcast, please email us at lifeessentials with Premroute at gmail.com.